0: I do not know if the Holy Spirit inspires folks outside God's written and Holy Word. I I just simply do not know. But I'm telling you, I, I was singing this song this morning. In loving kindness, Jesus came. May I may I read the first verse to you? In loving kindness, Jesus came. My soul in mercy (laughs) to reclaim, and from the depths of sin and shame, through grace, he lifted me. If that's not inspiration, I don't know what is. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we we come before you this morning boldly because you tell us to. But we also do so in fear and in human and spiritual humiliation because we simply, none of us, are worthy to even breathe your precious and holy name, much less to expound upon inspired scriptures. But Heavenly Father, you have given us the greatest privilege in all of the universe. That is to open up your precious and holy word And run our hands down the columns and read from those words. And to hear you speak to us through them, through the person of the Holy Spirit. And So now, Heavenly Father, we beg you that you will unfurl these words before us this morning. Help us to realize just what you have done for us. Not only in the experience of salvation, but also in the person of salvation. That is Lord Jesus Christ. So I beg you, dear God, that you open up our hearts and our minds this morning and give us an understanding. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. Amen. Go with me to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. I have titled this morning's outline, Christ Receives Sinners. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior this morning, if you have confessed Him so, and if you live the profession of it in your lives, then you and I are a real, tangible proof that Jesus Christ receives sinners. Let me give you a little bit of background before we get into Luke chapter 15. Our Lord was always at odds with the religious crowd. Always at odds. I think that it really came to a climax in Matthew chapter 23 when our Lord is calling the scribes and the Pharisees generation of vipers and some of the other colorful language that our Lord used over there with them. And then as he was doing so, he did the same thing that Stephen did, at least from the human standpoint of it. God had all of this planned out. But from the human standpoint, our Lord did the same thing that Stephen did over there in the book of Acts when he condemned the religious crowd and he signed his death warrant in doing so. Because it was just immediately after this, not too long, whenever the scribes and the Pharisees and the elders and the religious people of Israel prompted the rest of the of Israel to chant out "Crucify him, crucify him away with him, but during his earthly ministry, our Lord would not submit. To the bondage of Pharisaical traditions. I loved what our Lord said over there in Matthew chapter 23. He says, He calls the Pharisees and the scribes, You blind guides which strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. The Pharisees literally tithe their salt and their pepper and their condiments according to the tradition that they applied to the law. But then they were turn right around and steal widows' houses in the name of religion. And Our Lord was always under their religious scrutiny. And in fact, when you go to the first chapter in the previous, uh, I'm sorry, in the 14th chapter and in the first verse of this book, you will see that the Pharisees, that our Lord was invited to a Pharisaical home, and other Pharisees were there, and our Lord sat down to meet with them, and the Bible says in verse number 1 that they watched Him. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and if you proclaim Him, and if you profess Him as such, men and women are going to watch you. And yet, many of them gravitated to Jesus. And we see in this particular chapter that society's rejects, those that were on the fringe of society, thronged around Lord Jesus. Not only that, but those who were disheartened, those that were hopeless. Those that were desperate in life, they thronged toward Jesus. Not only that, but those who were oppressed by politics and by culture and by religion thronged toward Lord Jesus. As I say this, I'm thinking of the woman who had the issue of blood for 12 years, who thought in herself, if I can just but touch the hem of this garment. That's all that's needed is to touch the hem of his garment. The Bible says that she did so in virtue, flowed from our Lord Jesus Christ and healed her at that very moment. I also think of the Samaritan woman who had a spiritual need now one of the greatest intriguing expressions from our Lord in the Gospels is this, where our Lord says, I must needs go through Samaria. Jesus Christ obligated himself to go through Samaria because there was a woman down there who needed him in the spiritual sense. I am so thankful that in April of 1974, God Almighty in the person of Lord Jesus Christ says, I must needs go through Winston-Salem this night. And at 4 o'clock in the morning on April the 1st, God saved the poor pitiful sinner who was on his knees begging God for mercy, begging God for grace, and begging God for salvation. This woman was a woman of ill repute. Our Lord said, you you have five husbands, you've had five husbands, husbands, and the man that you're living with now is not your husband. Not only that, but even worse than that, she was of mixed race. She was a Samaritan. In 721 B.C., Sargon, the Assyrian... Conquered Israel, the northern kingdom. And in so doing, he he destroyed all of Samaria. He also depopulated the Jews that were there and he deported them throughout the known world at that time and he repopulated Samaria with foreigners. And if there were any Jews who were still remaining there, they intermarried with these foreigners, and the result of that was what the Jews referred to as Samaritans. The Jews despised them, the Jews rejected them, the Jews would have nothing to do with them. And yet our Lord says, I must needs <laughs> go through Samaria. And because of that, our Lord stayed there for two days, ministering to those folks. These heard and profited from our Lord's preaching, did they not? In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus Christ says this to his, to John's disciples. He says, The blind have received their sight, and the lame walk, and the lepers are cleansed. And the deaf hear. All of this was proven. All of these were tangible realities. That that our Lord was telling John's disciples. And the dead are raised up. And the poor. I'm thankful that he put the word poor in there. I wasn't any of those before the Lord saved me. But buddy I was poor. I was destitute. Not in finances and not monetarily and not by possession, but I was poor in spirit, destitute in spirit. And I am so thankful that over there in Matthew chapter 5, our Lord says, Blessed are the poor, happy are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let's read. Luke chapter 15, starting verse number 1, Then drew near unto him the publicans, these were tax collectors, and sinners, for to hear him. Now that word here there, that's used in the positive sense. Scribes and Pharisees, they sat down, they listened to him, and they watched him. But here, these publicans and sinners, they were interested in the prophet, that they would receive from the words that came from his mouth. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Aren't you thankful that our Lord does so? I mean, we are sitting here in a heavenly place, partaking of the bread from heaven. Lord Jesus Christ is eating with us here this morning. One day at the Married Supper of the Lamb, I'm going to sit down at my place. And the Lord is going to serve us. I honestly do not know the full ramifications and the consequences of what that means. But I'm telling you, I long for it. I ache for it. I am homesick this morning. I want to go home. And our Lord spoke this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, and go after that which was lost, until... See, words mean things. Until. There is a guarantee in this salvation, is there not? Until he find it, and when... Not if, but when he finds it, he lays it on his shoulder rejoicing. Notice who's rejoicing. The shepherd is rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repents more than over ninety just persons which needs no repentance. Look in verse number 10. Likewise I say unto you there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents. Now let's look at a few introductory remarks. First of all, Jesus Christ receives people That nobody else wants. That's why you're here this morning. Nobody else wants you. Let's look at that word receive. It is a welcome acceptance. Whenever I was sitting at the foot of that bed begging God to save me from my sins... I had my head bowed and my eyes closed, but in the spiritual sense, Lord Jesus Christ was standing there with His arms wide open to receive me. Welcome acceptance. Lord Jesus Christ takes and holds sinners and publicans in this manner. It does not mean that Jesus Christ accepts condones and overlooks our sins. But Christ will not marginalize and ostracize sinners who are seeking him. Rather, our Lord accepts individuals seeking his help. I always think that anyone who is who is seeking the Lord will find the Lord from the human perspective. I think of the Ethiopian out there who is reading Isaiah, and, and God Almighty sitting in heaven transports Philip over into the presence of the eunuch. By the way, you go over there in the same verbiage that, that talks about Philip being transported over there, it is the same word that Paul uses in, in the rapture were snatched out of here. Philip was snatched from his revival over into the presence of one who was seeking the Lord. I think of Cornelius. Cornelius was not a Christian. He did not know the Lord, but buddy, he knew that there was a God, and he wanted to know that God. Cornelius did everything he could to acquaint himself with God. And God says, okay, from the human's perspective, can I say it like this? God says, okay, uh, I'll, I'll just send Peter to you. I'm telling you that a sinner who is seeking refuge from their sins and the guilt of their sins, God's going to do something about it. Jesus Christ received society's most unlikely of folks. Namely, in this context the publicans, and the sinners. The Pharisees challenged Jesus on a regular basis. Let me just give you one example. Luke chapter 5. Here's what the Pharisees asked. Why do you eat and drink with publicans and sinners? And our Lord answers this way. He says, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I do not remember the last time I went to the doctor because I haven't needed a doctor physically. But I'm telling you, I go to my script to the Bible, I go to God's Word, and I go to God in prayer on a daily basis because I need that. I need that spiritual medicine on a regular basis. And In our Lord, He applies the spirituality to it. He says, I came not to call the righteous... Literally, I came not to call the self righteous, but sinners <laughs> to repentance. Thank God that He opens up your heart and my heart and shows us who and what we are. Thank God that He gives us the ability and, and the faith to trust in Him. Many publicans received Christ through John the Baptist's preaching. In Luke chapter 7, verse number 29, the Bible says that all the people that heard him, meaning Christ, and the publicans praised, justified God, being baptized with the baptism of John. John the Baptist preached the Lord Jesus Christ. And he baptized the worst. And those were and those worst justified God. Because they accepted the the preaching of John the Baptist and accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And one day, while John the Baptist was waist-deep in water, he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. Even today, we praise Christ for receiving sinners. I love that hymn, by our Erdman Neumeister. It says, Come and he will give you rest. Trust him for his word is plain. He will take the sinfullest. Christ receives sinful men. Christ receiveth sinful men. Even me with all my sin. Perched from every spot and stain. Heaven with him I enter in. Our Lord Jesus Christ will accept all who come to Him. May I say it as boldly as this. God obligates Himself to save every repentant sinner. God says you confess your sins and I'll forgive you of your sins. And cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I wonder if maybe we actually obligate God to do so when we come to Him truthfully with truthful repentance. May we look at our first main point this morning, and that is this. Jesus Christ receives publicans. The Bible says, Then drew near unto Him all the publicans. Uh, a, a publican is a very interesting person in, in the New Testament. Let me just describe to you what a publican is in the New Testament context a publican was a roman tax collector many of them were jews if not the greatest majority of them so what the romans did was they would commission jews to tax their own people jews taxing jews and traditionally so many of these publican tax collectors they they oppressed the Jewish people with their taxes. These notoriously extorted taxes from their fellow Jews. Now I'm going to give you an example, and that's Zacchaeus. I want to be careful about Zacchaeus, but let me just read what it says about Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19. Zacchaeus was a chief... Among the publicans, and he was rich. I am not saying that Zacchaeus was on the same level as the extortionist, uh, the, an extortionist publican. But I will say this: that Zacchaeus was a chief of the uh, of the publicans, and whether or not he was an extortionist like the average, common publican. I do not know, but he got rich from their work. And I love it whenever our Lord is walking down the street with the throngs around him. And uh, the speculation is, Zacchaeus is probably a short man. Zacchaeus climbs up into a sycamore tree. He says, I want to see the Lord. And the Lord comes to the tree. Underneath the limb where Zacchaeus is. I can just see him holding on for dear life. And the Lord comes underneath the the limb where Zacchaeus is holding on. He says, Zacchaeus, come down. I must abide at your house this day. You know why? Because our Lord says, I must needs walk under a certain tree today. Because there's someone whom I'm obligated to save. Society despised these publicans. The Pharisees despised the publicans. Can I read verse verse number 11 of Luke chapter 18? This is our Lord's parable. The Pharisees stood and prayed with themselves. This is a parable that we all know. The, The Pharisees in the temple, and not only that, but the publicans in the temple as well. And both of them are praying. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank Thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, which he probably was, under the color of religion and the law, and unjust, which he probably was, and adulterers, which he probably was, and even as this publican, it is interesting that our Lord grouped the undisciplined with the with the publicans and the heathen. Over in Matthew chapter 18, our Lord is giving the process and the steps of church discipline. If you have, a, if you have anything with your brother or sister, you go to that person singularly, by yourself. And if that person will not confess their fault and, and and fix that problem, then you go to two or three others within the church. And the two or three others with you go and address that problem to the guilty. And if that person does not solve that problem in that situation, then you take it to the church. And our Lord says this, if he neglects to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an heathen man. That word heathen man is talking about a pagan, a Gentile idolater. Let him be as a heathen man and a publican. Publicans were also included with the worst of society. In Matthew chapter 21 and 31, they, they, they were grouped with Sinners. In Matthew chapter 11, they were grouped and associated with gluttons and drunkards. In Matthew chapter 21 as well, they were associated with harlots. And in Luke chapter 18, they were associated with extortionists and the unjust and the adulterers. All of these people whom publicans associate with, they destroy themselves. They destroy their marriages. They destroy their families. They destroy their homes. They destroy their communities. And they destroy their societies. And our Lord receives the whole lot of them who come unto Him in repentance. As we use Zacchaeus as an example, our Lord said to Zacchaeus, This day is salvation. Come to this day house, our Lord was not necessarily talking about the experience of it nearly as much as He was talking about the person of salvation. One of the prayers that I love to pray on a regular basis, and I mean it heartfully every time I say it, Lord, I thank you, not only for the experience of salvation, one of the sweetest moments in all of my life is whenever I felt sin washed away. And I felt justified in that moment. And I was perfectly innocent and sinless before the Lord Jesus Christ at that very moment. I'll never forget the moment. But none of that would have happened had it not been for the person of salvation, Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to look into the face of my Lord who saved me. I long for that face. I want to look at the nail prints. And I want to look at the scar in his side. And I want to look at the one who gave himself for me. I want to look at the one who came to seek and to save that which was lost. And I want to look at the one who singled me out. Not when not if but when he saved me. The publican in our Lord's parable stated this way. Did you not do the same thing? I certainly did. The publican standing afar off would not so much as lift up his eyes unto heaven, but smoked, smoked upon his breast. We're talking about a person who has absolutely come to the end of his rope. He knows that he has done; he, he cannot do anything. And that everything that he has done has turned out to be nothing but filthy rags as far as salvation is concerned, but smote upon his breast. And here is the ultimate request that you and I make of God God be merciful to me, a sinner. We have to admit that we're sinners. Because Lord Jesus Christ comes to seek and to save sinners that which was lost. Here is our Lord's response. And I fit this bill to a T. And I hope that you do too. Here's Christ's response. I tell you this man, meaning the publican, went down to his house justified rather than the other. Meaning the Pharisee. For everyone that exalts himself shall be abased or humiliated. See, there's a big difference between humbleness and humiliation. We need to come humbly before God, and if we don't, then God will humiliate you and me. Uh, One of the things that I pray about a lot of times is is that God has the, the resources of the universe at His disposal. God can do with you as He pleases. Thankfully, he's many times meets us in mercy, compassion, and grace. And he that humbles himself shall be exalted. So, first of all, Jesus Christ receives publicans. Now, I never was a publican, but I'm a sinner. Because not only does he receive publicans, but he also receives. Sinners, in verse number one, our, uh, the Bible says, "Then drew near unto him all the sinners." I find it interesting that only sinners draw near un- unto Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus was known to receive sinners. In Luke chapter seven, in verse number thirty-four, here's what the uh, here is what the Pharisees accused our Lord. This is their low opinion of Lord Jesus. Jesus is a friend of publicans and sinners. Can we not look up into the very heights of heaven and thank God that he's a friend of publicans and sinners? I don't have a lot of friends in this world. I certainly do not have friends in in high places. None of those people know that I exist. But there is a God in heaven who sits on the throne and He rules over the universe and He knows me personally. And I know Him personally. And you know I can go to that God of of that universe anytime I want to. I can go boldly. Because that God of that universe is not only the the God of the universe, but He's also my God. Heavenly Father. I had a father. He is now with the Lord. My father preached about Jesus Christ and of the cross my entire life before he died in 2013. It it, it, it so amazes me that my father has actually looked into the very face, into the very eyes of Lord Jesus Christ who one day came to seek and to save him during his life. Don't we want to go home to see our Heavenly Father? I remember whenever I was new in the Air Force that I got homesick. I got homesick for the safety and the security of of home and of dad and mom and, and of family. And it seems like the older I get, the more I get homesick for the one who came to seek and to save sinners. Here's what a sinner is in this context. Sinners are those who are especially considered wicked. These sinners are those who who sin knowingly, willfully, purposefully, by design. Sinners are those who are devoted to sin. Sinners many times are addicted to sin. Sinners live notoriously. Sinners live sinful lifestyles. That is whom Jesus Christ came to save. Examples of sinners that Christ receives are those who practice the most filthy of fleshly vices, such as fornication and adultery and whoremongering. Christ receives these who repent. As he says over in Matthew chapter 21, the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God. You know who he's talking to? He's talking to the chief priests and to the elders. And he says they go into the kingdom of God before you do meaning they go into the kingdom of God instead of you. Sinners are those who sin against community. They are the fraudulent. They are the cheaters. They are the liars. and They are the thieves. And Christ receives every one of these who repent. In Luke chapter 23, our Lord Jesus says this to the dying thief today, Thou shalt be with me in paradise. Sinners are those who reject Jesus Christ. They are the God-haters. They are haters of you. They they are commandment-breakers. And they are persecutors. And Jesus Christ came to save sinners and publicans. Can we not think of Saul of Tarsus? who yet breathed out threatenings and slaughters against the people of God. And one day, our Lord says, I must needs travel the road to Damascus this day, because Saul of Tarsus is there. And I'm obligated to save him, because I came to seek and to save that which was lost. There with his face in the dust on, on that highway, Saul of Tarsus says, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord says, I am Jesus, whom thou persecuted. And our Lord says this to Ananias. He says, I want you to go, and I want you to go to minister to Saul. And I said, Whoa! This is a man who has, who has a commission to persecute the church, to put us in jail. And our Lord says, uh-uh, oh, you go anyway, because He's a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name. The reason why is because Jesus Christ came to seek and to save publicans and sinners. I remember many, many times ago, my my brother came to me and asked me this question, Phil, what is your most prized Possession as a Christian. Outside possessing Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. What is your most prized possession? And I thought about that for a while and thankfully he gave me a good answer. My most prized possession is my testimony before a lost and dying world. Sinners are those who are weary in and of sin. Do you remember the moment of your salvation when you repented of your sins? Man, I was weary of my sins. During the daytime I would sin because that's what I did. I figured if I would would sin, then, then God would see my rebellion and go and bother somebody else. Thank God for His patience. No, He came and saved me. He saved you because we were weary in our sins and of our sins. Who and what were you before the Lord Jesus Christ saved you? You know, many times whenever I am am, am praying, I'm walking around the neighborhood and, and, and praying to the Lord. I always wonder, dear Lord, who and what and where Would I be here in this very moment if you had not saved me? Because I know who and what and where I was before the Lord saved me. And it was not a pretty picture. Thank God that He sent the Savior, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Sinners are young men who have destroyed themselves. Sinners are the young women who cannot repair their reputations. Sinners are old folks who regret their wasted lives. Sinners are all who prostitute their bodies and their talents and live to the world and to themselves. And Christ receives these who repent. Here's what Paul says in Romans chapter 5. He says, The law entered that the offense... Might abound That word abound in this context means to increase in offensiveness. But where sin abounded, grace did' much more <laughs> abound. Why in the world the Lord save me? I, I just simply do not know. but buddy, I'm telling you, I'm thankful, I'm grateful. I love Lord Jesus Christ for obligating himself to save someone just as unworthy as I was. The law entered. Apostle Paul says he didn't even know what sin was until he knew what the law was. Oh, boy. Here's my third and last point. Christ can and will receive you. First, Lord Jesus Christ only saves lost people. I've made this point many times in, in my ministry, and that is all of these people who are presently in hell, and all of these people who will go into the lake of fire, they were never lost. They were their own Savior. They were the ones who were trying to save themselves. Thank the Lord that He knows how to convict sinners and bring them to their knees. Make them realize just how lost that we are. In Luke chapter 19, here's what our Lord said to Zacchaeus. The Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. I like that word was. It's in the past tense. I was lost and now I'm found. Christ rejects all who save themselves. In Matthew chapter 16, our Lord says this, Whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. See, these people aren't lost. And yet they're going to lose their lives. Christ saves only lost people. In verses number 3 through 7 of our context, here, here is our Lord, and He says this of the shepherd, When He hath found it, the lost sheep, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. Do you know your sins are not too great for our Lord to save this, for our Lord to save you? I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians. Will you go there with me? I'm going to show you something that is so outstanding. 1 Corinthians. I'm going to go to chapter 6. Your sins are not too great to where our Lord Jesus Christ cannot save you. Is there anything too hard for Him? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, can we start with verse number 9? Here's what Apostle Paul says to the Corinthians. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor the effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of of God. None of these people are in heaven. None of these people will go to heaven. Look at that next expression. And such, meaning all of those in that list above that verse, and such were some of you. The Lord saved those those Corinthians. He can save you. Listen, if the Lord can save a Corinthian, He can save you. Christ receives you through His salvation. Can we look at the latter part of verse number 11? Here's Apostle Paul again. But you... Some of you who are all of those things above, but you are washed, but you are sanctified, meaning that God has drawn you out of that crowd and separated you and dedicated you for holiness. We are saved unto good works. But ye are washed, and ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. Let me close with these words. I love what it says there in verse number 7. Heaven, not only does our Lord gladly receive, because He is is the, the illustration of the shepherd here, or the shepherd illustrates Him, and He finds that sheep and He rejoices. But not only does the shepherd rejoice, but so too other folks as well. Joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repents. Now that I am a little bit knowledgeable of what the Word of God says, I, I wonder about all of the hooping and the hollering and carrying on in heaven whenever you came to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And whenever I did as well, man, I'm telling you, there there are some there are some consequences and there are results when a person comes to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. You know what families say: what happens to one happens to all of us. But whenever a, co- a person comes to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, heaven rejoices. Heaven is a happy place. <laughs> Heaven is a place of joy and rejoicing. By the way, these these are not angels that are rejoicing. It is interesting to me that you and I are created a little lower than angels, and yet one day you and I are going to judge angels. I don't know what that means, but I like the expression. There's a few angels who oppress me and and challenge me on a daily basis. Man, I, I have some things to say to them. But it's not the angels who are rejoicing. It's not the angels who are singing. I believe that it is the heavenly host of departed saints who are now in the very presence of God Almighty and Lord Jesus Christ who are rejoicing because they know what Jesus Christ has saved them from. Peter says an intriguing thing over there in 1 Peter chapter 1 concerning the angels and the joy of salvation. He, he says this, that salvation is, are, pertains to those things which things the angels desire. That word desire is a strong word. I, I mean, it, it, is, it is an aching curiosity that angels have concerning our salvation. It is the things which, which the angels desire to look into into, meaning they desire to stoop down and curiously inspect your salvation and my salvation. I, I do not know the, the full joys of all of my salvation yet. I'm telling you, the, the Christian life is a joyful life. It, 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 is, it is a life that regardless of the circumstances, where we may hurt on the outside and where we may may moan and cry because of the pain that is in our physical bodies and of the care and concern that we have for our loved ones who are suffering. But regardless of all of that, I have the utmost joy within my heart because of my salvation. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you can experience the same thing. There, there's nobody that our Lord can't save. You have you cannot. It is impossible for you to get into the depths and depravities of sin that our Lord can't save. Trust in Him today. Let's pray.